It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KBMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, October 23rd. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KBMR Evening News. Farming towns in the Central Valley always have water front of mind, but supply, access, and management are in constant question. More on today's California report. Then, U.S. Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland embarks on a, quote, road to healing tour. National Native News tags along as she makes her way to Alaska. We've got a look at your local news before your weather forecast. A chunk of Nevada County residents have yet to weigh in on the area's future. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza tells us who and how this group can ensure their opinions are incorporated during county planning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. About 30% of Head Start programs in California aren't within easy walking distance to a transit stop for families with young children. That's a problem, according to a report out today, because access to transit is one of the biggest barriers for families who qualify for the federal early education program. In San Francisco, KQED's Daisy Wynn explains. The National Head Start Association measured the distance between every Head Start program and their nearest transit stop. They found that almost 600 in California are more than 2,000 feet away, which they consider beyond walking distance for a toddler. Abigail Selden co-founded the mapping project. Why should we make it difficult for families to access the number one anti-poverty program in America? You know, Head Start is a proven program that has delivered success in almost every possible area. Selden says transit agencies can move or add bus stops closer to a Head Start location to make it easier for families to participate and for staffers to get to work. For The California Report, I'm Daisy Nguyen. Here in L.A., Hollywood actors and studios will be back at the bargaining table tomorrow as the SAG after strike surpasses 100 days. Talks between the two sides ended abruptly two weeks ago after studios walked away from negotiations. The key issue is streaming revenue and how much actors should be compensated from streaming services. Water is, of course, the lifeblood of agriculture, but as climate change brings more extreme weather, farming towns in the Central Valley face increasing risks from both drought and flooding. KQED's senior immigration editor, Taiki Hendricks, reports on an innovative solution that's scaling up with new state investments. Lilia Lomeli Hill is driving me through the little agricultural town of Grayson on the west bank of the San Joaquin River. It doesn't take long. The town is just four blocks by five blocks. This is the last street here. The river is their backyard. She's showing me how last winter's storms affected her neighbors. The lady that lives right there in that little house was at risk of getting flooded. It did go up to their yard. It could have been a lot worse, but last year, hundreds of acres of farmland along the river were turned back into natural floodplains. So when the water rose, it had somewhere to go. Across California, other farmworker towns were not so lucky. Places like Pajaro and Planada are still recovering from devastating damage. Lomeli Hill knows what that's like. Back in 1997, she lived in Modesto, 20 minutes from here, when a massive flood hit on New Year's Day. I lost my home because the waters came in four feet high. 
So she moved back to Grayson, where she grew up, the daughter of farm workers from Mexico. Lomeli Hill is 71 now. She's worked in education and mental health counseling, and for nearly two decades, she's run Grayson's Community Center with an after-school program, a food pantry, and a morning dance class for seniors. I teach them how to do the cha-cha-cha, the salsa, the cumbia. Community health is always on her mind, and that includes drinking water. Grayson depends on wells, and in times of drought, water levels drop and agricultural chemicals build up. Because of the chemicals of the pesticides and everything that the farmers use, we could not drink it. So everybody here in, in town buys water as a precaution. Pablo Ortiz Partida, a climate scientist with the Union of Concerned Scientists, says it's common throughout the Central Valley for wells to be contaminated or dry up altogether. The, the current estimate for California is that about one million people in the state lacks reliable access to drinking water supply. But the recent efforts to restore the floodplain here in Grayson may help with that, too allowing cleaner water to seep down into the aquifer underground. A nonprofit group called River Partners is buying up fallow farmland along the river, removing levees and planting native trees and grasses. Julie Rentner leads the group. She says it's a low-tech solution with a big payoff. The benefits of expanding our floodplains not only are reducing flood risk, but also recharging groundwater and helping to dilute some of the legacy contaminants Now that work is set to grow. After last winter's storms, state lawmakers budgeted nearly half a billion dollars for flood protection, including 40 million for restoring more natural floodplains along the San Joaquin River. Rentner says it's just a down payment on what's needed, but it could be a game changer. It's thinking more holistically about how we manage our water and our soil and our communities so that we can find uh, solutions, you know, to climate resilience that benefit us all. Here in Grayson, that restoration work involved dozens of local residents, including Lomeli Hill. She walks me down past willows and cottonwoods to show me a newly planted area. What I love about it is just the, the sound of the birds that are coming back now. Um, So I think that's part of the restoration project to bring nature back. Restoring the floodplain should help protect her community from extreme drought and flooding. But Lomeli Hill says that's not all. Going back to nature, it works with mental health and your physical health and your spiritual health. And I think that triangle is the key to facing life's challenges. She can't wait to plan outings for the kids and the seniors at the community center to walk down by the river and listen to the birds. For The California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks in Grayson. Support for The California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Paint Care. Now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery. On the web at schmidtocean.org. 
And that is this edition of the California Report for Monday, October 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day out there. Tonight's National Native News follows U.S. Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland as she travels the country on a, quote, road to healing tour. Part of the tour involves gathering testimony about damage done by Indian boarding schools and the dark legacy they've left in their wake. More ahead. This is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas from KMVA in Anchorage, Alaska, filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. The U.S. Interior Secretary was greeted with a standing ovation at the Alaska Federation of Natives when she addressed the convention Friday. From subsistence to Native veterans, Secretary Deb Holland touched on a range of topics, but one issue on this trip to Alaska will get a lot of her attention. On Sunday, Holland will hold a listening session in Anchorage on the trauma caused by Native boarding schools. We must reckon with our past if we are to address the injustices we still face. Because we know that intergenerational trauma connects so much of what hurts us. Holland has been traveling the country on what she calls a road to healing tour, taking testimony on the boarding school era about the damage it caused. My grandma used to share stories of this trauma with me, about how a priest showed up one day in her village, took her and other children away from their parents and families, and sent them on a train to a Catholic boarding school when she was only eight years old. Holland's listening session will be held at the Alaska Native Heritage Center, followed by the raising of a healing totem. The Heritage Center will be investigating church records to learn more about how Alaska Natives were impacted. Benjamin Jasek, one of the researchers, says his grandfather is a boarding school survivor, which got him interested in learning more. Healing is going to be a very, a very emotional event because it's a lot of people actually telling their stories, some maybe even for the first time. And one thing that you know is to never leave people in that space. Jasek says the healing totem will go up following the testimony. It's the work of two master Haida carvers, Joe and TJ Young. An elder developed the concept for the design. The totem pole depicts Mother Bear, who is holding two cubs, while the father, in human form, sits above her, embedded in a raven's tail. Two children rest comfortably in raven's ears. The totem raising, which will be followed by a potlatch, is open to the public, but the road to healing tour is closed to the general public to give boarding school survivors and their families some privacy. Education in Alaska has followed a westernized traditional path since 1784, when the first settlement was formed on Kodiak Island, and since that time, education has changed, morphing into a system that doesn't serve all the children that it's meant to, according to Alaska Native educators. Through history, including in boarding schools, Indigenous children face many traumas, including going missing, abused, and forced assimilation. At the 2023 Alaska Federation of Natives Convention, conversations about the future of education include new hires, curriculum changes, and the potential to bring elders into the classroom. A video was shown talking about the history of Indigenous people. The story our past tells us is about an education system imposed upon Alaska's first people rather than one built alongside of us. For the past year, Cook Inlet has been working on reaching out to multiple communities to see what an ideal educational system would look like. This project is called Education Compacting, and so far, five tribal communities have agreed to participate. Director of Tribal Affairs for the Department of Education, Joel Isaac, says that the focus of the program and the future of education are these three things. The first one is funding. 
and having the funding go directly from the state to the tribes. The second one is local control and looking at self-governance. The third one is around instruction and looking at how do tribes be that driving force for who is in the classroom teaching our students. Speakers then spoke of the idea that conversations of the future must contain the past and bringing back traditional beliefs from before 1784. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Drummond Woodsum, a full-service law firm whose nationally recognized tribal nations practice provides services to tribal nations and their enterprises and to companies that do business with tribes across the country. More at dwmlaw.com. Support by Vision Maker Media, envisioning a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. 45 plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at your local news. The Nevada County Board of Supervisors reminds residents that Wednesday, December 13th, is the date scheduled for Rise Grass Valley's petition for recognition of vested rights to conduct mining operations at the former Idaho-Maryland mine. The hearing will take place at 9 a.m. with the second day added on Thursday, December 14th, if necessary to accommodate public comment and board deliberation. The hearing takes place in the board chambers in the Rood Center in Nevada City. According to County Counsel Kit Elliott, a vested right is a right to continue activity that existed before a zoning restriction became effective. A vested rights finding for Rise Grass Valley would mean that the applicant has a legal right to mine on the Brunswick Industrial Site. The Board of Supervisors expects the meeting to include presentations from Rise Grass Valley and county staff related to the history of the use at the site and the governing law on vested rights. There will also be time for comments from the public. However, these comments must focus strictly on the historical uses of the Idaho-Maryland site and factual evidence of activities that have occurred on or at the site. No public comment will be allowed regarding support or opposition to the mine, the Idaho-Maryland Mines Draft Environmental Impact Report, the use permit, the reclamation plan, and any other land use entitlement or potential impacts of the mind or history pertaining to Rise Grass Valley or related businesses. Following public comment, the board will decide whether the petition for vested rights should be granted. Through massive education campaigns and collaborative efforts ranging from the National Park Service to local master gardeners, California homeowners have welcomed alternatives to grass lawns. In lieu of water-guzzling plants and grasses, individuals have turned to native plants or specially designed drought-tolerant gardens. In an effort to further spur these changes, the California Native Plant Society's Redbud Chapter hosts a free workshop called From Lawn to Native Landscape on Saturday, October 28th at 2 p.m. The California Native Plant Society says the event 
which will be held at Nevada City's Madeline Helling Library, hosts several presenters who will share insights about designing landscapes with native plants. The Redbud chapter of the California Native Plant Society is Western Nevada and Placer County's designated California Native Plant Society branch. How do you figure out future goals and focus interests for an entire county? Seems like the obvious step would be to ask the people living there. However, that only works if people are willing to give you their answers, a problem Nevada County's community survey is grappling with. Residents have been asked to weigh in so the county's Board of Supervisors has a framework of what to target over the next two years. Some groups have been more than happy to take the survey, but a pivotal faction of citizens, perhaps the ones that will be most impacted by future decisions, have yet to share their thoughts on the county's future. KBMR News Director Claudio Mendoza has more on that story. Two weeks ago, the window opened for Nevada County residents to respond to the 2023 community survey that will help the Board of Supervisors decide on what to focus on in the next two years. That window is closing tonight at midnight. I checked in with Nevada County Public Information Officer Lisa Renner to hear how it's going so far. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this survey that went out. You pointed out that for people who want to influence how the county functions, this is the chance. So tell me how it's been so far. So far, we have about 1,300 people that have responded, which is not bad. But the shortfall is out of those 1,300 people, we've only had about 100 people under 35 respond. And uh, for a comparison, there's been about 400 people over 65 that have responded. So I would encourage anybody in that under 35 age group, please take the time to do this survey because the people running this county, the Board of Supervisors, they will not know your thoughts if you don't tell them. They don't know what you think. And it's very easy. It's at polco.us forward slash NC23. It takes about 20 minutes to do this, but remember, you can choose to answer the questions that are of interest to you. You know, just go right to the issues that you care about. Such a wide range of issues, I'm sure you care about something. It's, it'll ask you about your feelings in Nevada County on economic opportunity, housing, emergency preparedness, library services, recreation, education opportunities, arts and culture, what do you think of the roads? How safe do you feel? What do you think about internet service? I'm sure uh, you have opinions on some of those issues, and the Board of Supervisors would really appreciate you giving your feedback. And it is going to be on, they're going to look at these results, these specific results, when they're making their priorities for 2024. So of the responses that you've gotten, who's responding by districts, maybe by Age. Uh, do you want me to tell you age first? Sure. Okay. So, so far for the 18 to 24 demographic, we have 17 responses. So if you're 18 to 24, you can make an impact for sure if you take time to do this survey. For age 25 to 34, we have about 80 responses. For age 35 to 44, 166. That's way better. Age 45 to 54, we have 171 respondents. Age 55 to 64, we have 261 respondents. 
And then by far the biggest percentage that responded, 406 people, that's over age 65. What about districts? Which district responded the most? Which district responded the least? Okay, so District 1, which is represented by Supervisor Heidi Hall, has the biggest participation. That's 334 people. That's basically Nevada City. District 2, which is South County, has 141 people participating to date. District 3, which is... um, Grass Valley area that has 251 people participating. District 4, which is Penn Valley, North San Juan, um, that whole area, that is 196 people participating. And District 5, East County, basically Washington to Truckee, that has 127 people participating. So again, that's it. Tell your friends, please, too. Share it with your friends and family, because the more voices we get in the survey, the better of a survey it will be. We don't want just one group of people's opinions. We want a diverse of all Nevada County to give their opinion for the survey. Today is the last day to take the Nevada County 2023 Community Survey. The window closes tonight at midnight. Registration is optional and responses are confidential. That website, again, is at polco.us slash nc23. That's p-o-l-c-o dot u-s slash nc23. I'm Claudio Mendoza for KVMR. Now let's take a look at your local forecast from the National Weather Service. We'll see milder weather with breezy north-to-east winds into Tuesday. Dry weather will remain through Tuesday until a system from the Pacific Northwest drops down, bringing cooler temperatures and a chance of showers Tuesday night into Wednesday. The mountains may see snow Wednesday and again Friday and Saturday. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 48 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 70. Tuesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 49 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 32 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 68. Tuesday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 35 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 53 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 76. Tuesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 52 degrees. That's our newscast for Monday, October 23rd. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Nevada County Cannabis Alliance, a trade association representing the local cannabis industry, providing year-round get-legit permitting and compliance education, emphasizing industry responsibility and environmental stewardship. Information at nccannabisalliance.org. And Whitewater Naturopathic Medicine, Doctors Carolyn and Gregory Weiswasser provide naturopathic family health care, including women's medicine, bioidentical hormone therapy, bodywork, and more. Located on East Main Street, Grass Valley. Serving Central California since 2005. Whitewaternaturopathic.com. 
Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.